everybody, it's Dr. Michaela Keegan Yadley here, Michaela from here on out, and I've spent the last 20 years in education really honing my craft in connecting with other people, in connecting with students and connecting with teachers and bringing high quality instruction and professional learning to them. I'm excited to take that on the road and into podcast world so that I can reach more people across the country. And really what I set out to do is to bring you incredible value through either my own insights and especially insights of others who have a lot to offer and share. It's been a tough couple of years in education. Let's have some fun. Let's learn a lot. Reach out to me if you ever have anything you want me to cover on this. And until I hear from you, enjoy our episodes. This podcast episode is brought to you by the 3D Printing Man. Get everything from custom food bowls for your pets to chore lists for your family in more than 15 vibrant colors, all custom designed. Visit his store on Etsy by searching the 3D Printing Man, all one word. Again, that's the 3D Printing Man on Etsy and get 10% off with the code DISSECTED. All right, before hopping into today's episode, I want to take a minute to ask you if you've ever thought about what your classroom culture should feel, sound, and look like. I know you have. If you are a teacher, you think about it all the time. If you are a school leader, you're always thinking about how your school culture and classroom culture can be stronger. And I'm happy to tell you that if you go to my website, drkeganyadley.com, linked in the show notes, you will see our newest offerings on free webinars and paid courses to be able to level up your classroom culture and have the best year yet because I'm telling you that is the vibe for the 2022-23 school year. We're back, we're having a great year, but we also know we need to meet those needs of our students and of our teachers in order to make that happen. Check it out and enjoy the episode. Happy Tuesday, everybody. We are back after a little bit of an unplanned hiatus. Um, I spent a lot of time over the last few weeks connecting with teachers, educators in person and virtually about classroom culture, classroom management, and it has been amazing. I also took a little bit of time for myself and honestly, I feel refreshed. Today's episode is one I can't wait to bring to you. This is actually our teacher panel from Self Taught, our summer live series on how to build an incredible classroom culture. Going into this school year, this is critically important. This year has big year energy. I hear people saying, this is our year, we're reclaiming it. And so these six, I'm sorry, these five panelists are from all across the country and Canada, and they are going to share with you the things they do to build a strong classroom culture. We have Manny, who is from Rhode Island. We have Dr. Blair, who's from Rhode Island, we have Chad from Texas, we have Vanessa from uh, British Columbia, and we have um, Jessica from California. So teachers from really all across the country and Canada sharing with you what they do to build incredibly strong classroom cultures. Now they all do it in their own unique way, and you know that's big to me, that we are our authentic selves as we build our classroom communities and that we you know, learn best practices from each other. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode. I'm linking all of their information so you can follow them on social media in the episode notes. You will want to because they share gems all the time. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. Um, I'm going to welcome our panel and I would actually have everybody introduce themselves, but not everybody is able to be on camera tonight. Um, so for the panelists, just know that, hey Daria, um, that we 
have been together, you know, two, three nights now. And uh, there are just amazing educators all the way from, you know, kindergarten, first and second grade through high school here, um, all looking to do two things. One, um, build a really strong classroom culture because kids are aware uh, what give, they, they breathe life into us as teachers are uh, in and then into them and also block out the noise of uh, all of the noise or, or lift the weight of the world, take off the proverbial backpack um, and try to lighten that as much as possible, especially around things that we can't control. It can be class size or things happening in the country or being moved to another grade, you know, 10 days before school starts or getting another class assigned to you. I know that's never happened to anybody here. I, I don't even know why I'm saying it. Um, and if I've been the cause of that, Manny or Andre, I'm really sorry. Because <laughs> that's possible. Actually, I'm, it's definitely, you guys taught math. Definitely, I did that to you. Um, and I'm sorry in front of everybody. I'm sorry. Um, but um, so to the to everybody who's here, I want to introduce our amazing panelists. Um, you know, we've talked about it. Everybody's really excited to have you here. I thank you so much. We have, you know, people from all the way from Canada to Texas to California to here on the East Coast. And it's amazing to be able to bring you all together. Um, to every to everybody who's here, the participants, the reason why these are your panelists are here is because um, either I've worked with them directly or we've gotten to know each other over the past year. And the things that stand out to me about them is one, um, I've either watched them create incredible, incredibly strong classroom cultures um, where students wanted to be there and where they wanted to be with their students. Um, B, everybody here is authentic. And I mean, through having either knowing you or, or having conversations, everybody's approaching this in a different way. Um, and I think that's amazing. Because one thing, I, like I said, like I don't always take a firm stand on, on a lot of things. There's a lot of ways to get somewhere. But I'll take a firm stand on there's a lot of ways to get somewhere and that building strong classroom cultures does not look the same for every person because if we're trying just like um if you were there and you saw um uh Daryl on the first night right if we try to copy or be like other teachers we lose ourselves it doesn't work uh I tried I've been there um and so the authenticity that each member of this panel brings was really really important to me to bring to you um, because you're all unique and you have a different way of getting to your vision as well. Um, and so what I'm going to start off by doing is I'm just going to have the panelists introduce yourself, um, say maybe like where, uh, what grade you teach, um, and when you go back to school. <laughs> um, all right, I'll start with uh, Jessica. Hi, everyone. I'm Jessica Starcher. I teach in San Diego San Diego, California. Um, I'm teaching seventh grade English and history, and we go back August 15th, pretty soon. Mm -hmm. All right, Dr. Blair. Ooh. Hi, so my name is Andrea Blair. Um, I'm currently um, a part of a charter network in Rhode Island. Um, I'm just coming out of the classroom, actually, but um, so I feel like I'm always at school right now because I'm a district leader. Um, but we go back to school at the end of August. All right. Um, Chad. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Chad Pettit. I am in Texas. I teach English one and two. And we go back to school the 2nd of August. But like Michaela said earlier, I'm never out of school. So. If you're on TikTok, you know that. 
<laughs> Chad's always in school. Um, oh, all right, Vanessa. <laughs> Hi there. I'm, uh, I teach in British Columbia, Canada. That's on the West Coast. And I'm currently doing professional development in Montreal, Canada. Um, I teach high school French. And then this coming year, uh, because of curriculum changes, I'll be teaching a First Peoples of British Columbia uh, course with regards to our Indigenous peoples. All right, and Manny. Hello, everyone. Uh, Emmanuel Ruiz, I uh, out in Rhode Island. I teach 11th grade math uh, at a charter school out here. And I think we go back the 22nd of August. All right. So, um, like I said, we're we really are West Coast to East Coast, Canada, United States, and I think that's that's the beauty of this. Um, and so. The first uh, question I, I explained to the panelists, if you were um, taking a break but near your computer, you, you heard me explain it. Um, actually, I can bring my questions up now, I just realized. Um, I, I, let, I gave them kind of the overview of why we're here and what we've been focusing on. Um, and I really want to have them uh, share with you um, their, really their insight on this year. So I'm gonna moderate this by just asking each panelist to share. And then for those of you um, who are participating, if you have questions that you want to ask, um, you can either, you can just unmute yourself, you can put it in the chat, or we can save some time for the end. So I, we're just gonna kind of play that one um, to see how that plays out because there might be something relevant to what somebody's answering in that moment that you want them to expand on, um, that's fine. Or if there's just kind of something you think can wait till the end, then we can do that too. Okay, so I'll be moderating, I'll pay attention to the chat box. You can either type or unmute yourself, that's fine. Um, and we're just gonna, we're gonna kind of get right to it and acknowledge that there is, I call it noise, but I think I have to say noise and weight that we carry as educators. Um, and it's, it feels like this past, two years, but especially this past one year, the weight got a lot heavier and the noise got a lot louder. Um, and so because it kind of doesn't seem like that's really going away um, anytime soon, and a lot of it is outside of our control or our, our sphere of influence, um, my question to each of you is, how do you block that out? How do you block out that noise um, to stay focused and positive? Um, and I'll ask Vanessa if you don't mind starting. How do you block out the noise? No problem, Vanessa. Oh, do you have connections? No, I didn't ask. I'm asking you now, though. Are you good? Okay. Yeah, I'm good now. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what? Um, Chad actually said something in his podcast interview with you that has stuck with me, and I was like, you know what? I think I do that too. I usually close the door, um, mostly because I have a very loud voice. And uh, it travels over to the Spanish room. And um, but yeah, honestly, it's 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 a manner of uh, connecting with the kids and uh, acknowledging that there's things that are happening outside the classroom doors, um, and you know, explaining to the kids both both explicitly and just through the way that we we manage the classroom um, that you know we're we're here to to grow as a community um, and that each person in the classroom is is valued. I'm, I'm huge on that. Uh, and and just plugging on and, and working together and, and having a common focus, I think, is, is what I do. Awesome. Um, Manny, how about you? Uh, I, I try my best to, um, to kind of silence the noise a little bit by, by engaging them in something that can uh, kind of grasp their curiosity enough 
to, to pull them from that distractor. Um, uh, the, the, the most recent memory that comes to mind is we had this uh, like hands-on activity that I had planned that was supposed to kind of connect how students would recognize sequences in the table. So instead of just observing a bunch of tables, I created, you know, like data from cutting pieces of paper. Um, and, you know, we had this, there was a lot happening. I think that was in February during the time when the Ukraine Russia thing was starting to develop. And uh, is, there's a lot of tension in the classroom. A lot of students that had, you know, uh, uncertainties or just worries and, they, they watch things online all day and, and it could be misinformed or it could be like exaggerated and they come to school with these anxieties and things. Um, and I've and I found that just drawing them to the now um, with an engaging little activity was, was enough to grab them. Um, and, and that was, the best part was that that one experience where we were cutting a paper and observing the data um, was something I was still able to draw from their like pre prior knowledge even months after just because of how engaging it was and it really it, it felt like they remembered that more than the Russia thing at the time you know so it, it, just finding those moments where you can uh, allow them to to find an escape through some kind of contact awesome um Jessica how about you Um, when I first read your question, I immediately had an answer that I just focus on what I can control. And that's kind of been my motto the last like five years because I like I'm going I went through a divorce and like uh, my life got really chaotic. And so that's all I could do is just focus on what I can control and I can control myself, my emotions. Um, and I would tell that to the students, too. We would uh, we do uh, writing every day to be in class. And so like writing, sharing, uh, building community. And it's, I focus on like us in this room right now, like, and character building and bonding with each other. And it really made it a safe space where they felt safe to share and to be themselves. And I feel like that blocked out the noise for them. At least that was my intention. Well, so Jessica, just to build on that though, so you, I mean, you can't ask your students like right in this moment, we can't say, hey, did what Miss Starcher did work? Um, but for you as a teacher, did that help your experience though in the classroom with them? Like, did that help you focus and be present in the moment with them? Yes, and actually uh, I talked to my students this year about like being grateful and what being grateful and having gratitude does, it just, puts us in the present moment because we're thinking about right now what we're grateful for. And so we would talk about what we're grateful for, what the good things were. We just, um, you know, just try to keep the kids right in the room right now. And um, like Manny said, some kind of engaging project that gets them learning and gets their mind off of it and maybe more towards like future and like what positive things are gonna do. Um, and learn. I think that helps. Awesome. Andrea, how about you? Yeah, I think just to piggyback off of what Jessica was saying, that piece about gratitude, um, I'm really big about acknowledging whatever's going on, right? Like we're not going to sweep it under the rug. We're going to name and acknowledge that it's there. And I think just giving students 
um, the space within that, that small classroom community to say, okay, we're gonna close the door. We're gonna name you know, the elephant in the room. And you, you can, most of the time I had them write. Um, my kids would laugh and say, I'm the post-it note queen. Michaela has probably seen the wall of post-it notes. Um, but it's their way of like the small piece of paper, reflect and put, you know, where you are, how you're feeling, what's going on. Um, and then we turn it into something positive. Um, so I know at one time it was, okay, now I'm gonna give you a second post-it note. And I want you to write down like, what's something you feel like you need to hear from someone or, or you would like someone to say to make you feel good um, or feel supported during a really difficult or stressful time. Um, and then we put them all on the wall and we came up with the idea that like, okay, this is now our wall for our community that when you're having a bad day, it's totally cool to take one and it's totally cool to like add something over the course of the week. And then, you know, it's like, okay, we take a deep breath and then we transition into our activity that we, that we know we're doing for the day. Um, but I think you just have to name that like, there's this huge distractor, right? Um, and, and let them know that you, that you, that you trust them in the same way that they trust you to be able to handle that moment of expressing and reflecting and, and just, just having a moment to deal before they move on to the content and the classwork. I'm muted, right, muted. Um, thank you for sharing, Manny said he, he loved that. I'm muting myself because if you haven't heard, my husband is of all places to mow the lawn outside the window. I think he does it on purpose. Um, uh, Chad, how about you? Um, how have you been able to block out um, the noise? Well, I'm, I'm, leave it to me to be the guy that rub against the grain, but I am the antithesis of what you're supposed to do. I don't block out the noise at all. Um, and because of that, I'm able to block out the noise. So kind of like Amanda, uh, I don't just say there's an elephant in the room. I point and I say, hey, what are you doing in my room to the elephant? You know, it's like there's some people that are, is it cold in here? Some people, oh, the window's open. And me, I'm the guy, somebody shut that window. You know, like it, it's, let's just not beat around the bush. Um, and so let's say I really need my students to focus, but I know they're not going to focus. And I'm having a terrible day and I can see they're having a terrible day. Guys, I'm having an awful day. I kind of need to sit down and just focus for a little while. And I think maybe you do too. So I'm going to give you this time to get your work done. If you need my help, obviously come get me, but I'm going to be over here in my feelings. And then we kind of laugh about it together. And I say, as a matter of fact, I'm going to go raid my chocolate stash because I'm going to eat my emotions right now. And if you want to come eat your emotions with me, Mr. Pettit will be in the corner for you. Uh, they've seen me have anxiety attacks. Now, obviously, you got to be careful about this. You can't let them see everything. But I acknowledge it to my students and I teach at the high school level. And when they see, wow, my teacher struggles with mental issues, my teacher, my teacher struggles with personal issues. I can trust that. And so I've walked students, we have signals. My students have an anxiety attack. They look at me, they give me this. And I say, go, uh, there's, there's no need to do anything else. And so, uh, and as far as like, I live in Texas. And so I would say, let's just be real here. Texas and Florida, not the easiest states to work in right now uh, from the political pressure and the, uh, the, the noise from the outside. And so I'm real clear, look, I'm not going to censor you in this classroom, 
people want me to be censored in this classroom. Oh, well, we're going to be real in here. Uh, and so they, they love that. They're like, oh, my teacher's a rebel. You know, they're ready to get on top of the desk and say, oh, captain, my captain. And I'm like, no, you're the captain. Let's do this together. So, yeah, I'm just that guy. Um, I mean, I think that we can definitely appreciate that. A couple of comments in the chat. Um, Daria said, when students see and realize you're human, that opens the door to building relationships with them. I'm seeing a lot of like nodding in agreement there. Um, and Amanda said, I love this openness. I've been reprimanded for doing the same thing. I have two follow-up questions on this. And actually I'd like to, well, all right. One follow-up is um, I, to the panelists and this, this can be anybody. If you found yourself in a place where, I mean, uh, where you were worried about being that open, how might you communicate to your students that it is an open, like there's openness, like what, how might you navigate that? I know I'm kind of like throwing a curveball at you because that's not like one of the questions I sent you, but how, like just how, like, do you have any tips or ways that you might navigate that? If, if I may just jump in. Yep. Um, I teach in a school that has very similar rules or ways that we are supposed to behave to uh, the Florida uh, situation. And um, I, I also am very open and just be like, hey, I don't actually care. I mean, I, I care. Um, you don't have to be quiet about how you identify in this class. I teach French, which has very distinctive female, male pronouns. They've now come out with some more inclusive ones. And I tell my students, these are the inclusive ones. Let me know if you want me to use them. Um, and this is frowned upon by many people in the school that I, that I teach. Uh, at and so uh, just again allowing these kids to know and and see that this is a safe space that we can talk about any and all things even if it goes against the grain even if other people aren't doing it in their classrooms but I really feel like these students need to know that they have got a safe space where they everything's on the table in in its in its due time so um, yeah that's that's kind of what I've been doing thank you Chad you had your hand up you wanted to uh, offer something. Yeah, I, I make them my partners in crime. I'm really purposeful about this. And so I'll, I'll go over, I'll, I'll, I'll peek out the hallway, real dramatic like, and then I'll shut the door and I'll say, okay, look, what I'm about to tell you could get me in serious trouble. Now, it won't, uh, but I really build it up. And I say, okay, we're gonna read stuff in here that might make some people mad outside this room. <laughs> you read it anyway. You know, and nothing I'm reading is illegal. It's not been banned or anything like that. Um, and if something is banned, I'll tell them, hey, this is banned, you know, and I do have to follow certain rules, but I make them feel like they're breaking the rules with me. Although I'm not actually breaking any rules. Right. So then they know that I'm not going to censor them on any topic. So Mr. Pettit, I want to talk about this. Go for it. Cool. Mr. Pettit, what's your position? I don't have one. <laughs> you know, and so I can play that neutral ground and it drives them nuts because they're always trying to guess what's Mr. Pettit's politics? Where's Mr. Pettit stand on this issue? You're never going to know. Um, but I'm always going to be the devil's advocate on both sides. And so I'll catch them going up, catch them going down, keep them guessing. But I really get them involved in like we're together in this. And it's almost like we're, we're riding this conspiracy train together. But really, all I'm doing is having them. Yeah, it really is kind of a dead poet society. Really, all I'm having them do 
is just think creatively, you know, and I'm not doing anything at all controversial, but they think that it is. And so they're not afraid to touch controversial sub, uh, topics in their independent projects. That's interesting. Um, I want to acknowledge uh, Amanda, you know, you said to Vanessa's point, like you rock, this is specifically what I was talking about. I've been fired for how I identify. And I just want to acknowledge that comment and say like, you know, I, I'm so sorry when I read that, my heart breaks, um, you know, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, that's the weight. I mean, let's just say it to Andrea's point, let's name it, <laughs> right? Like these are the, this is the stuff that we carry around, whether it's fear for your own job, okay? Or the, the knowledge that this is just where, we're, where we exist right now. That's a weight, right? Um, I have a question. So I, I actually realized as we we're all introducing ourselves that um, we are seventh grading up on our panel. <laughs> and that's probably because I've, the, the, the group knows um, other than this last year where I coached an elementary principal, I had never really talked to a kindergartner before. Um, but you know, what I learned over the years that there, there's so much, everything's, you know, very, very common as far as how we approach things. But I'm curious though, we do have elementary teachers who are, who are here. When you hear, um, panel, our panelists talk about like how they block out the noise and how they show up and they're, how they're, um, you know, kind of showing, showing up as themselves or they're being open. I'm curious, just, do you say to yourself, I can't do that. Or you're like, yeah, I can do that. And this is how. I'm, I'm literally just curious, just because I know we have some elementary educators um, in the group. So I just wanna um, join in on that because I've been on both sides of the fence. Mm -hmm. um, up until last January, I was middle school. And then I jumped into the elementary pool. Um, it is a different beast. Um, I've had kids cry in class because of breakups with, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends. And then last March, someone cried because their goldfish died. So a fourth grader totally is different than, I'm sorry, I forgot to mute my phone. Okay. A fourth grader is totally different than a middle schooler. Um, but I think the important thing is relating with the student, no matter what the grade level. Um, and we keep going back to this whole thing of relationships. It's, it's if, if a kid knows that you will do a samurai, you know, be like a kamikaze, they'll try to go through a brick wall for you. Um, and I think that's the best feeling in the world just to know that you are being acknowledged by them. Like, um, I, I don't wanna bogart the whole thing, but I have a, a, a story for last school year. When I started in January with the fourth graders after leaving middle school uh, business from the beginning of the school year. And I had a student literally who transferred into, I started in January, he transferred in in February and by, April, he had been suspended three times already. Um, so every day I literally had to 
give myself the prep, the pep talk. You can do this. He's not going to, he's not going to nail you to the wall. You got this. You got this. You got this. Last day of school, he came up to me and he gave teacher appreciation day. He made me a handmade. I love you card. Um, put it in the picture frame and everything. And when I stopped the ugly Oprah tears, I realized, wait a minute, I'm doing something right. And then on the last day of school, he and his mom sat down and made me two or three pounds of homemade fudge and gave me a bottle of wine. And they and his mom just said, thank you for not giving up on him. So, I mean, you had discussed earlier that yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I have goosebumps right now still thinking about it. But you said earlier, teaching is the only profession that you don't see that instant result. And I truly feel like I did something with him. So, I mean, it helped me get it. It, it helps. Absolutely. Daria, I mean, you literally just. Told, yeah, that's amazing. And thank you for sharing that with us. And you need to, I think everybody here would say the same thing to you that I'm going to say right now is you need to keep, that's what you need to keep in your heart and your head this year. When you're, when, when it seems like they're not getting it right. Whether it's the lesson, the content that you planned or you, or it's a cult, like your vision for the, for the classroom culture. And you set out like this week or by, by October, all the routines are going to be down. And it's like December 15th. And you're like, we're really still going over this. Um, when that frustration can start to seep in, you need to remember that student because you didn't give up and you kept pushing forward, even though his success didn't look like the success you maybe thought it what it should have looked like immediately. Um, you know, hard work look, looks different for every kid, and their success looks different too. And that was success and your impact on him. So. Thank you. Uh, Amanda, so one of your ESL students went back home to Ukraine and opened um, an English school and now was in Prague getting more certifications, opening more schools. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, that's what matters. So um, I'm not going to cry on this uh, on this event. Um, but I have a question now for the panel and I'm going to actually open this up now. I think we're, we're in a space where we can just do this. So to the panelists, you can jump in. Um, I, I'm curious to know what is an ideal classroom culture to you? And just so everybody knows that everybody who's on the panel, um, I told them there's no right or wrong answer. I just, we just want to hear from them. So what is an ideal classroom culture to you? I like, I like to uh, just kind of encourage them to bring all their questions and that we're going to do a lot of thinking out loud and a lot of like processing and working through problems together and just kind of have that inquiry based uh, environment where, um, you know, questions and imagination are both welcomed. Because those are like the things that, especially in the math classroom, there's a lot of hesitation to ask questions. Uh, and there's like a disregard for imagination. It's almost like we need that component in the classroom, that imagination, so that I could trigger it with some, you know, uh, with some something. 
Uh, and uh, so I, I like to, to just kind of have them welcome that questioning into, into the classroom. Okay, thank you. I like that. I think um, the classroom could be like a place where you feel good about yourself, even if you fail or uh, even if you don't turn in the assignment, like you still feel good, you still learn something, you learn something through not turning in the assignment. And you, I guess, being able to reflect on that. Yeah, I, for me, um, it's, there's a specific moment I can think of. I teach on a block schedule, which means every other day. And a student is just about always late for my class, uh, first period. Right. And, and I mean, always. Mm -hmm. And I started, you know, I mess with her about it. I'm like, do you just not like my class? Do you, do you hate it? And she's like, no, I always have appointments. They're always on this day or whatever. She said, but seriously, Mr. Pettit, like, this is like the only class I actually enjoy being in. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, whatever student moment, you're, you just happen to be about to turn in an assignment too. <laughs> so, but everybody's like, no, seriously, Mr. Pettit, she, she talks about it all the time. It's annoying. And I'm like, oh, really? Like, what's, what's going on? And she said, my other teachers, it's just work. There's no fun. We don't get to ask questions. We don't get to do this. We don't get to do that. And here it's like, you're talking to us. You're telling us jokes. You give us time to work. You know, we're free to explore things we like to explore. It's fun. I just, I enjoy it. And, my, and your TikTok's awesome. <laughs> and that... <laughs> And that to me is the culture I want because they're, they're researching the things they want to research. They're comfortable. They're safe to work. They know I need to take a break. Okay. If, if they're over there with headphones in uh, and they're clicking away at their computer or they're writing in their notebook, I don't assume they're doing wrong. I assume they're doing the right thing. You know, and if I need to go check on them, I do. And it's the kind of class where a kid can look at me and say, Mr. Pettit, can I talk to you in the hallway? Uh, and tell me something horribly personal. Uh, that to me is classroom culture. That's what I want. Yeah, I was gonna. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. Um, so my background is mainly again middle school and high school mathematics, um, and so I think about about it as like the room really runs itself. Um, it's like its own little town and community, and everybody comes in and like they banter with one another they know what they're doing they take care of business um I'm really there as a facilitator um my big mantra is like there's more than one teacher in the room we are all teachers this is you know this is not my classroom or your classroom this is our classroom um and I think for me I see those moments um one anecdote I will never forget so I was out sick at one point I think it was two years ago um, when we had first come back from COVID. And um, I think I came back and it took about two hours into the day for me to figure out that my first period class had no teacher in the room. Um, all their work had been turned in, everything was good to go. But like one of the teachers came up, I think it was my co-teacher came up frantically. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is what happened. And I was like, what? I didn't notice no one's, like the kids didn't say anything to me. So I asked him the next day, like, guys, is this what really happened? They're like, yeah, but the stuff was on canvas and the door was unlocked. Like, we knew what to do. Like, it was posted. 
you responded to our emails and stuff. So it was all good. Um, we eventually called the office just because we thought they might be upset there wasn't any teacher in the room. But like, and they're just looking at each other like, I was good. Did you think something was wrong? No, I was good. Like the kid came in late. We told him what to do and we knew what to do. Like that's like, that's the clashing culture. Like they don't even need me to lead it. Like they lead it themselves. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's what you want at any level is where they feel like they own the room. It's their room. You're just there to help them. Thank you. Vanessa, how about for you? Yeah, I was just, I was laughing because there was a moment that happened this year. French is not always people's favorite class. They find it difficult. Um, and I always tell students like, this doesn't have to be your jam. Like French has like overtaken my life. And I said, so that's okay, but we're here for a certain amount of time and, you know, let's, let's grow and learn things together. And I had this, I had this student come up to me uh, one time this year and he was like totally stone cold face, serious. Mrs. Drew, I hate French. And I was like, okay. And there was that beautiful pregnant pause where I'm in my head going, so how do I encourage this kid? But he beat me to it. And he said, but I love coming to this class. And I actually did a TikTok on it and the kids all saw it and they all knew who I was talking about. And there's been a couple other TikToks where I've said things about students coming in and just how, how encouraging they have been to me because they've been demonstrating that this is a safe place for them. This is a place where they can come and talk to me or sometimes they just need to come in and have some quiet time, uh, you know, like during class, outside of class, whatever it is. And so just when students know that um, we are excited about what we teach, but we also are excited about teaching them. We're also excited about learning with them. And, you know, in a few days later, he came up to me and told me that during French class, I shouldn't have been offended because he was calculating how long it would take for an object to circulate the sun and then come by the moon. And, and I totally don't even know what he was talking about, but I just cool that they want to share these things. Right. And I wasn't offended that he was doing that during my French class. So, <laughs> um, I do. So I have a question I want to move to and talk about like, so how, right? Like how does this magic happen and come to be? But I, I actually, I had a thought as we were talking about this. Um, I've heard a lot of like some common, a common theme is like, I close my door, right? Or I do what I know I need to do. Or I, yes, I teach content, but I teach kids <laughs> and I teach students. And I, and there's a, there's a personal aspect to it. And there, you know, I, I joke around or we have, they can share, we can express, I can laugh. Like we can, I can be a human, right? In the class. And I, I would say that there are, it, it takes, I mean, I'm, there's no like actual, re, like correct way to say this, but it takes a certain level of confidence, I think, to be at that place. So whether it's confidence in yourself, right, as a teacher in front of kids uh, or with kids, or it's confidence in the fact that you're not going to lose your job, um, or it's confidence in that, like, well, I know I'm not going to lose my job, but I might have somebody say something to me, but I really don't care what they say. Like, how do you, there's like a disposition there, right? That, I, that I'm finding kind of in common. I have two questions and this is for, and it, you know, everybody on the panel can answer, but I'm not, anybody can jump in. One question is, has it always been that way for you? Or have you had moments where it was harder for that, um, that person to be present or to come out? And how did you overcome that? Or what did you do? Or you know, how did you, how did you, yeah, I, I'll leave it at that. You have to break. You have to be willing to break. 
I was not that teacher. I was the teacher that was trying to be in control of everything. And when I was trying to be in control of everything, I was never in control of a thing at all. And eventually I broke and everything fell apart. Everything I'd worked so hard to put into place was just a total disaster. And I stood there in front of my class. How do you guys not know this yet? And I just got totally angry. And I started writing stuff on the board and I said, okay, fine. Here's how it works. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm going and I'm going and I'm going. And I turn around and they're looking at me and they're going, oh, they're, are you kidding me? Now you get it? 18 lessons, assignments, plans. I'm crying at night. I got a therapist over this. And finally you get it when I get upset and just rattle some stuff off. And they're like, why didn't you just say that the first time? And I'm like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> You have to break. And once you break and you realize that your perfect laid plans, culture eats strategy for lunch, according to Peter Drucker, right? Unless you are willing to just embrace the chaos, you're never going to be able to control the chaos. And so an administrator comes into my room and they think, oh my gosh, what is this? You know, it's like a Pentecostal church in there. People are running around. People are speaking different languages. It's nuts. And here's me in the corner talking to this kid with a headphones in laughing joking and then somebody's telling me all about their boyfriend breaking up with them no and what'd you say no yeah no uh yeah make sure you use complete sentences no yeah bathroom go ahead whatever and this is what's happening you're going mr pettit is totally not in control of this and i say class total silence because i'm willing to embrace the chaos Thank you. Anybody want to build on that or offer? I would build yeah. on that. Oh. Yeah. What's up to? Oh, well, I, I'll just share that breaking moment for me. Like early, early in, in the teaching career, I was like all about standards and hitting the standards and like all of this curriculum work to try and make sure that I meet like the 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 expectations and get these kids test ready and all this stuff. Um and then I had a, a, an incident, maybe my third year in, where I made an assignment and a student had to do a, do a problem out and then kind of just explain how they know that the solution they arrived at works. Um, and so I'm giving students time and, and I'm kind of cycling the room, checking in with kids. And, and there was this one student that couldn't, um, that, I'm, that I found out through the experience um, was struggling with dyslexia and couldn't explain it in writing. They couldn't actually put out the whole idea that she wanted to speak on in writing. And I had to, uh, I had to like think at that moment of how I could get them to uh, get her to uh, to find a way to show me her understanding that didn't involve any kind of writing. Um, and, and that was the moment where I had to, like, I looked around and it dawned on me, who else is not there? You know, like, which one of these other kids are afraid to ask me because they're hitting this wall and, and there might be 12 different types of walls that these kids are hitting. And, and so, like, it, it allowed me to, to kind of break. And, and instead of, like, having a uniform approach, every kid has to be doing this, I kind of just let it happen organically and I found where I can be of support in certain parts in the classroom um, with individual students rather than the collective view. Uh, and that breaking point uh, uh, changed everything for me because it allowed me to have better relationships 
on that one-on-one -on -one level. And then even my planning, I was able to plan better because I didn't have to over plan because I had moments where I knew I had to anticipate that I would need to fill in gaps here and there. So just embracing that chaos and being able to use your training or like your understanding and your experience to adapt. Thanks, Manny. Andre, I know you were gonna say something, I think. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, and I think it loops in with what uh, Chad and Manny both talked about, which is it comes back to the kids, right? So in both those stories, their students in some way or form told them, right? Um, so I think like, one, don't take yourself too seriously. Like you're gonna mess up. It's gonna be a shit show with your best lesson plan. And probably when you're being observed, it's, it's <laughs> Murphy's, Murphy's law. That's just what happens. And you probably spilled your coffee on yourself that morning too. Like it's just the way it goes as teachers. Um, but just remember like get feedback from your kids, however they like to tell you things. You know what I mean? Like talk to your students. They will tell you. They will tell you when you did the thing that you thought was amazing and they're like, nah, bro, please don't ever do that again, Blair. <laughs> and they'll also tell you the moment when you walk out and you're going to your car and you're like, oh my God, today was horrible. Like, nah. And then they catch you in the hallway or you see them teaching something to someone else and you're like, oh, you were actually listening? Like that weird analogy that I made or song or dance I did like worked for you? Cool. Um, the second thing I would say is don't be afraid to walk in and see other colleagues teach, right? Like we, like teachers are the best thieves. Like what? <laughs> teachers pay teachers. We finally started asking each other to pay for each other's stuff, right? Um, no, we don't. One person pays for it and then we photocopy it, but I think we all know that. Um, <laughs> see, Chad, yep, Chad, yep, Chad's with me. Um, but I think like go in other people's classrooms, especially when you hit that burnout, sometimes you'll just see somebody else do something or it'll just make you laugh or you'll go, oh, I really like that. Um, and sometimes they're teaching your same cohort of kids. And so you see something that works, just never be afraid to, to be a learner. And again, whether it's from your kids or your colleagues. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's the fun part is just knowing like, Haha, this is gonna be a shit show, but I'm gonna learn along the way from my kids and my colleagues. I love that. Vanessa or Jessica, anything that you want to add on there? I just love this theme of like, as teachers, we are continuing to learn and to improve our practice. And when the students, like I oftentimes say to the students, hey, I was reading this article and I came and I heard this idea and I thought we could try that today. So let's, let's just see how this goes. Um, and when they come alongside you and they know that you're learning as a teacher and you're figuring out new ways of doing things, like, I, and especially if they're the ones that are helping you do that, they jump on board and, and it's really cool. And sometimes it's, it's awesome when you're like, so how did that go guys? And they're like, yeah, we're never doing that one again. And then other times where I'm like, yeah, like they, they say, this is a good one. So yeah, I really love that theme that's coming out. I don't really know how to answer this question because I don't feel like an expert at this. Like, when did it just click for me? Cause I still work on it like every year, even period to period or day to day, I'm just worried that they're going to know that I'm a fraud and like that I don't have control of this class. And they're going to, I even have dreams about this, like that my kids are just out of control and they just riot. And I don't know what else happens. Just, I get a lot of anxiety in my dream, but um, 
I just try my best and, you know, no, don't be afraid to ask them, like it's been said, to see other teachers and just be open and um, be vulnerable with the kids. I tell them like, listen, that did not go well yesterday. What, you cannot do that again. What is gonna help us be better? Um, or sometimes I'll go, listen, when you get up and walk across the room while I'm instructing, that gives me anxiety and it's disrespectful. And like they, it's like they didn't even realize like what they were doing was disrespectful. Like they didn't mean it to be, but they did, you know, they just, 12 year olds just aren't aware. So I don't know, just calling things out has been um, helpful this year. And yeah, not being afraid to be vulnerable and just telling them like that didn't work, what needs to happen? Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm here seeing too, like asking students what they do in other classes that they'd like to try and do in your class. I think, you know, Jessica, you said like your answer is like, it's perfect because you're like, I, I don't have, I, I don't have it all figured out. And I think everybody in here would probably say like, I mean, they don't either. Right. There are, we're still trying to figure things out. I, I mean, I went from teacher to, you know, principal and coach for eight years back into the classroom and I was figuring things out still after B and I've observed millions of classes and like I've stolen every idea, anything I do that's, that's good. I took from somebody else um, or saw, saw somebody else do. Um, and we're always like trying to like improve or, 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 or better something, but being, being aware of that and being open to it, I think is what everybody's saying here. Like we're continuous learners. Um, and, uh, and yeah, Chad, thank you for replying to um, Eliza's comment that like, when when we're vulnerable or we are willing to be ourselves kids feel helps them feel seen um and uh and they do like i always say kids know within 30s that's the first thing they want to know can i trust this person right and they will know within 30 seconds if you are being real and authentic or if you're not like it's the first thing they care about and they just have this even if they don't know they're doing it they know that's the first thing they're trying to figure out um, and so we might as well just be ourselves right right, off the, right right away and then figure out how that um what we need to tweak in the meantime like if something's not going going right but the th another theme I'm hearing is it's okay to make a mistake or it's okay to have one of those days that just doesn't go right um and it's okay if it's during an observation uh but it's okay if it's um it's okay right and so I, if, I think, you know, you can nod on the panel or brain match um, if maybe what I'm hearing is that part of blocking out the noise um, and, and in order to have this, you know, like a great year with your students is actually being okay with or not caring as much how you're seen by other people. Would that be, yeah. Um, which can be hard to do because you're kind of seen by other people all the time, right? Like, and you might be, whether it's from by somebody who's coming in to evaluate you, like, yeah, I mean, that's that process is just that process. Um, but also, like, I don't know, it, depending on where you are, we talk a lot of our own individual context, like everybody teaches in a different school, right, on this on this call. And you might have incredible leadership. You might have fine leadership. You might have no leadership. You might have leadership that makes you feel psychologically unsafe, like seriously. Or you might be dealing with issues of feeling you know, physically safe or unsafe. 
And so there, there are different stakes for everybody. Um, and so the not caring what people think is a lot more than just being like, oh, be you, right? No, but really like there are stakes involved sometimes. And so, but I think I'm hearing from everybody that you had to get yourself to a place where you really were just like, no, it's cool. It's about me and, and you guys in here. And so whatever's happening is happening, no matter if it's a score on my evaluation, a teacher who walks by and makes a face or a comment or something I hear from another student, um, I, I'm confident in, in what I'm doing with you. That's what I'm hearing, at least. I, Jessica, yes, letting go of your ego, Daria's agreeing. Jessica said, you know, you, you think being vulnerable helps them feel safe to share and be themselves. Eliza, they feel the energy. So if it is identified in an appropriate manner, you, um, I see they actually care and buy into trying a new way to make it better. Yeah. Um, so along this line, then my next question, and it's kind of our final question, um, is how, like, how have you, how have you done this? And and some of you might have, can I can pinpoint exactly how you did it? And we've touched on, like Chad, you touched on the point where you like kind of broke and you were like, oh, I'm going to do this. But like, how have you got, how have you either gotten yourself to the point or gotten students to the point where, you know, you're in, you're in your classroom and you're here sitting with us today saying, my, my classroom culture, I feel comfortable and, and good with it. And my students and my classroom are what helped me stay in the game, despite all the really difficult things. How have you, how have you created this? What do you do intentionally, like at the start of the year? What do you do intentionally as things come up or maybe at another point in the year? What's intentional, like when you step into that classroom um, or as you're preparing the year? What do you do intentionally to do this? The first thing I thought of was just take care of myself, <laughs> like making sure I'm eating healthy and working out and just being like the best self that I could be so that I show up for them to be their best selves. And then also like um, collaborating with the class on the class culture and expectations. You talk more about that, Jessica. You want me to talk more about that? Yeah, like how did you like because I I saw your expectations this year and I was I was blown away, right? At how concise and how clear they were. And when you told me that you did that with the with your students and you teach seventh grade, I know I mean I've, I've been in middle school and seventh graders are, you know, they, they can be they're everywhere. Um, and you came up with like just this really concise, clear uh list of like expectations. What did that look like for you? Well, I asked them, I mean, I don't remember the exact questions, yeah, but kind of like, um, what would their perfect ideal class be? Like, what would it feel like, smell like? Like all the questions you kind of asked us, like to envision how are the students acting? How's the teacher acting? How do the students act towards each other? How does the teacher act towards the students and the students act towards the teacher? And I, they just came up with a list of, words and adjectives and I kind of put I summarized like what we came up with the class came up with into um statements 
and I put them on an anchor chart. And then what's supposed to happen is when I noticed a student not, you know, doing or behaving the way that we kind of like all agree is our best way to be a student, you're supposed to like point it out, like, didn't we agree that this was a good way to act in class and that you're not doing that. But in the moment, that's really hard for me to remember to do because um, I don't know, maybe my adrenaline response or I don't know what it is, but um, I think maybe it's actually better when after like the both parties have the adrenaline response and then after the fact, like come back to the expectations when you're in your upstairs brain and you can think about, you know, what happened and reflect on it, um, it is better to like come back as a class. Was that, you know, what we said we wanted? No, it wasn't like what needs to happen and reflect on that. So I referenced those throughout the year. I just wish that I was better at it, but I'm learning. <laughs> I wish it went smoothly. Like I could just like, oh, that's not what number two says. Like automatically respond but it's difficult yeah well that's that's real right like i that's real that's a that's a real answer it's not always it's hard it's not it's hard right like we're not i don't think anybody would say teaching's easy as far as like we get it right all the time or every single aspect of it is natural or easy um but it's worth it and i think we're all here because we our hearts are there um and the thing that's bringing us there is the kids um so and also like having those expectations and just having that agreement, that collective agreement does go a long way. Um, all right, who wants to take us on next? I think this speaks to this. I, when I welcome the kids, the students into the, into the classroom, I also teach high school. So I see four blocks of kids, uh, students a day. And um, uh, I like to talk to them about respect and humility. Um, and high schoolers can have some widely varying ideas on things, uh, everything from vaccinations to masks to all kinds of stuff over the last last little while. And and just to 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 establish within the classes that you know, we all have um, to we, we should all be respecting one another's opinions, even if we're different. That seems to be kind of a tipping point for for students. Uh, around that age group of recognizing that we can disagree with one another, but we can still be respectful towards one another. And I also like to encourage them to, to show humility in class. So when they've done things that perhaps have offended somebody to, to have the humility to go and, and talk to a student. It was interesting. I was having a very casual conversation with a group of students uh, last year and one student looked at me and she goes, yeah, like that time that you thought you offended that other student in class last year and you apologize in front of the entire student, like in front of all the students. And I was like, I had forgotten that that had happened, but I just walked away going, oh my goodness. She remembered that one moment where I actually was just trying to be like, you know, my best me and, and to build community in my classroom. And that's what that student remembered. And that's why I want to be modeling the things that I would like them to be doing. So if you need to get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of class, go ahead. There's a respectful way to do that. If you're coming to class late, that's okay. You got things you got to do come to class respectfully and, and, and that sort of stuff, so. Thank you, and I see um, Eliza, this is cool. You said you create class agreements that the students create um, too, and it's powerful, especially when you revisit the agreements and that you, you two are like wanting to continue to get better at using it as an ongoing tool, which is like, that's where we get lost in the year, right? It can be hard to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, 
Vanessa, you touched on something that, um, so the other day I asked the group to kind of coach me, like if my, if I wanted something specific to happen in my classroom, um, what would I need to do? And they were saying, the group was saying to me like model, right? So model it, model it, model it. And modeling might not make, might take place in so many different, at different points in our class, not necessarily when we're going over the expectations, but we're living them, right? We're walking the, walking the walk. Um, and, uh, or a sort of practice training that included how to create using classroom agreements. That's, that's great. Like th when there's support for how to do this. And then there, I know there are also a lot of teachers who may not always have um, a district either. They're not doing it at all, or they're, they're hiring a, a company that just misses the mark <laughs> completely. And you're like, that was entirely not helpful. Um, but thank you. So, um, but no, that that's great that you, that you have that resource for how to create and use classroom agreements. Um, all right, who else we have uh, who else wants to jump in and share? What do you do intentionally to make sure you have this kind of environment? So one thing I do, um, I want my students to focus on my feedback separate from a grade. What I'm telling you as far as feedback is never associated with the grade book. And so I established this. That's something intentional. I'm, I'm giving an example of how I do this. So the first unit, Everyone has an automatic 100 if they do everything I'm asking them to do. So participate in class, classroom discussions, turn in your work, I and mean, there's no homework. You do everything in class. Um, you're here, you do all things I ask you to do. Uh, you at least make an attempt, and you might be shy, but you at least make an attempt to have a discussion when we're doing class discussions, things like this, and you have an automatic 100. Now, all the pressure's off. I don't have to worry about grading your papers because that's too much work for me at the beginning. You don't have to worry about grades. No one's going to get in trouble. How do we all feel? Oh, amazing. Has anybody ever done this for you? No. All right. So we got that out the way. So you can see I'm not about grades, right? Okay, cool. So that's one thing. We got that out the way. Now you're not thinking about grades. So here is why I want you to discuss. Here's why I want you to read and write together. And, and that's to be really important. Explain the why behind everything. I'm telling you, you've got an automatic 100 because I want you focused on those, the work and the learning. And I want you to understand that I really do care more about the learning than the grades. Okay, now they understand about that. Now I can support it with something else. We're going to read these sorts of things because they help you. So for example, we're going to read more nonfiction than fiction because it helps us analyze better when we don't have to worry about abstract thought. We're trying to analyze the literature. So that's why I'm focusing on it. So really communicate the why to them so they understand the purpose of the task and then there's more buy-in. Yeah, I, um, you know, just to, just to kind of stamp that, Vanessa said she's taking that with her to her class. Um, but we talked on the first, well, we've talked throughout the, the, three, um, the three days about students taking pride in their work and that's a, a high priority, um, uh, I can't think right now, at least it's a high priority for some of the folks in this group who are putting, setting their vision for their um, like classroom vibe or culture next year. And so what Chad's explaining is literally that it's students taking pride in their work um, and students knowing why learning is important and what learning is important. That's what Chad's describing right now, like getting like, in, in, and as a teacher, how you communicate that might look or sound different, um, but but you'll know and students know it's why it's important to learn it and that it is important to learn it 
because they will put forth that effort even when a grade isn't attached to it. And that's that, again, that uh, like that in, intrinsic motivation to, to, to learn and do well, um, but they have to know how to, right? Um, and that's where that feedback comes into play too. So like, yes, I mean, grades, grades are important, right? We can all have a discussion about grades, but like kids need to know how they're doing, right? They need the feedback. They need to know where they're trying to go. We need to have a roadmap. But what, when Chad's saying like, hey, this is why this is all important, that's what's getting at students um, taking that pride in their work and knowing like, okay, this is why, this is how I need to get there. I tried, Mr. Pettit told me I need to do, uh, you know, I need to do this, this, and this better. I'm gonna try again. When you get students there, that's, 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 that's teaching and learning right there. That's, that's, uh, that's education. Um, Eliza said, I love that. I would imagine it helps the students realize there are more than a grade two, yes. Yeah, Eliza, like my heart's so happy right now. Um, I always say, like, you know, if, well, students are more than a number, they're more than a test score, right? And and US teachers are more than your evaluation score. <laughs> I say that all the time too, but like we're all more than our than numbers, right? Um, yeah, I love that. All right. Anybody who else would like to jump in um and share, like, what do you do intentionally, Manny and and Andrea, to cultivate the the culture in your class? I like to um, just establish uh, like a safety net, I would imagine it to be like, but it's just supports and, and access uh, to myself, but even to, uh, you know, conversations or, or things that we've had in class that uh, they might need to revisit. I teach in a school that's a, a virtually, it's like a blended virtual learning situation where um, we have like class but it's more of a workshop for a, a virtual curriculum. Um, and so I've, I've, my teaching role has become more of a coach rather than a, a teacher that instructs and, and has, you know, like the lesson and everything, the traditional way. There are moments where I find myself on the board and it's more like coaching, almost like basketball or any other sport. Like I like to teach students how to be aware of of, of the algebra tools that they've acquired and how these little bits that they've learned along the way, like the distributive property, like multiplying integers, right? There's all of these little tools that they acquire. Um, and a lot of them just don't really know how to apply. Um, and so I like to, to support them as they explore the algebra manipulation. Um, and I do so by, um, we do like these digital notes that uh, exist long after the class is done. Um, and I tend to record anything like, like uh, usually we'll have class in person, but I might have like uh, the, the Google Classroom also going so that we can record that particular lesson. And then they'll have notes paired to the lesson that are also aligned with their digital curriculum. And it's really just to give students access to as much content and knowledge, uh, resources that they might need, uh, and also give them a, a chance to demonstrate their understanding however they might like. Some kids prefer doing math on paper. I, I always kind of push towards it, um, but, but I allow kids to also use um, uh, digital devices and uh, other means to be able to demonstrate that understanding. 
Um, and, and I play that coaching safety net where, you know, if there are pitfalls or, or mistakes, um, my, my approach is not really a mistake. I don't, I don't call them that. Um, I just, they're like teachable moments. And so I just, I, I find the moments, right? I let kids explore the math and, and I find the moments where I can, uh, you know, shed light on a, on a property that can help you work through this problem or, or uh, you know, let's watch this video that explains why we're even finding X. Like, what does this all mean? Um, just attaching some meaning um, and attaching that support factor helps build trust in the classroom and it helps a kid have courage, especially within math. It, it's the fear of being wrong that make, causes a lot of hesitation. Uh, and so we, we embrace the mistakes as a way to kind of uh, sift through and find out where where each individual kid might be struggling. That support piece I found has helped me uh, build trust and a bridge with each student. Thank you. Um, I think for me, it's a couple of things. Um, and Michaela will be able to attest to this. I am like your organized structural binders for everything, like type A personality. Um, and so one of the things that's worked for me is I try to really take time to be intentional about the routines and procedures in my room. So like thinking about like how many kids are in the room, like what makes the most sense, what's going to be efficient and logistically, like how we come in and out, how you get the things that you need, um, how you get to go to the bathroom, all, like all the like, I would say the more operational things and try to lay that out and make it as cool as, as crystal clear as possible and consistent as possible. Um, as well as like, hey, these are the non-negotiables that like just aren't up for discussion, right? Because once that's clear and consistent and we are reinforcing those over the first few weeks, months, who knows the entire school year sometimes, um, then, then it allows the space to actually do the things that create the culture, right? Like if we're not dealing with the, the minutia of I need a pencil or I'm gonna walk across the room to get paper and smack two people on the back of the head while I get the piece of paper, like we've got that stuff out of the way, um, then we can work on building the culture. Two, I think relating it back to real life. So again, working with students that are a little bit older, um, it goes to Chad's like why, right? Like I always say it's more than just math. Um, I'm trying to prepare you to be thinkers, movers, shakers, and responsible adults. Um, and hopefully maybe struggle a little less than I did. Like if there's a lesson that I learned that I'm like, oh, that sucked. And I can tell you, so you don't go through the same thing. Like just that human to human piece, I think is just super huge. Um, and then three, I'm really intentional about like figuring out what their thing is that they're into and trying to show up in those spaces. Maybe they're in the community theater. Maybe they're on a sports team. Maybe they pick up their sibling from school. Maybe they work at the McDonald's that I always order the same thing from. Um, but figuring out what those things are that are relatable or that I can make a connection and be kind of where they are um, outside of the content, right? Again, it's more than just math um, and just showing that, that, that I'm a human being um, and I think I try to focus on that probably even more so than my lesson plans the first couple of weeks, um, because if that culture is not there, 
we are never going to get to Pythagorean theorem, quadratics, calculus. Like, we need to be able to coexist and know what we need from each other as humans. Um, I'm also a, co- a collaborative rules person. I call them the house rules. Mm. The it, We spend a whole day usually on it where they um, go from, and, and it's purposeful, right? Because they're coming up with these house rules that we post in the classroom, but even how we do it is intentional to individual, to partner, to now you're going to work in a group and come up with limit it to five to now you're going to present to the class what your group came up with and as a class kind of debate like okay we've got 15 Blair says we can only have seven what 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 are we saying are going to be our seven and I kind of take myself out of it and let them kind of do their thing um but just just really um honoring their voice making the things that are going to be the day-to-day things very clear precise so that you can spend the time on the culture piece, right? Knowing what to, when, when and how to sharpen your pencil, blah, right? Having a conversation and how to, how to maneuver Black Lives Matter in the middle of a circles unit, not so easy, right? So just try to streamline the things that you can streamline. Thank you. Um, I mean, powerful. <laughs> uh, all of every single response. Um, I want to give folks a chance to ask questions if there are any. Um, we've covered a lot, a lot, a lot, and we could probably. I mean, we could do this. We could do this every day. <laughs> this could be PD, right, for like the school year, um, learning from each other. But I do want to open it up if there are anybody who wants to unmute themselves, or if you want to type anything in the chat as far as like questions for a specific person on the panel or in general. Um, I'm definitely going to open up for that. I'm going to give a, like a minute in case somebody's typing in the chat. Eliza said no questions that come to mind. Just a big thank you to you all. I mean, yeah, a, a giant thank you. Um, to all five of you for you know spending your your night with us. Um, it, again, we learn best from each other, and everybody here has a very unique um, style. Daria said more relevant would be down for that over in service PD. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you're all real. You're all really good at what you do, and you all. Um, are the confidence I think that you exude as you go about doing it, even in the confidence to say like, I don't have it all figured out yet is really powerful. I think for other teachers to see because um, you can just be you. And you, and again, that theme of you are enough, you're showing up for your students, that's what they need. Um, and I think blocking out any anybody who tells you that you're not enough, you block it out. Um, oh, are you on TikTok, Andrea? <laughs> All right, Chad, um, tell Andrea what your uh, what your TikTok handle is. There we go. <laughs> um, can we have hand, can we have hand, What do you mean, Daria? Can you have handles? Oh, you want their TikTok handles? Yes, I'm I'm that teacher guy, and thank you so much. I appreciate that. And um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we have we have fun. <laughs> we don't hold back on on my TikTok. 
for true for true for, for uh definitely for sure yeah, I, would, I would like to say chad um you had asked that question in one of your tiktoks about does anybody else just leave the fly where it dies like when you smack it and then i showed you the the white outline of the bee that had been killed in my classroom a couple of years ago and when you liked it it i made that a highlight in my class i was like oh my gosh this tiktok guy i follow him and he liked my post and then they all went to the back of the class and had a look at where the white white, white outline was so thank you very much <laughs> um manny do you are you on tiktok for us to follow I am, but it's not really education related. <laughs> I know, but listen, Manny, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm blown and blow him up right now. Manny's a musician, like wildly amazing musician, like incredible. I have his songs on, like I literally, like when Manny's like, I'm dropping a new song, I'm like, okay, I'm on Apple Music. Um, and so, I mean, the, the people want to know Manny. Where can they find you to follow you for your music? It doesn't have to be TikTok. We are a pretty TikTok heavy community though of educators here. All right. <laughs> Is that a TikTok? I am NEX? Yeah, that's like most of most of the social media is all around that one. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. All right. Obviously a tremendous thank you to our panelists. They volunteered their time to join teachers from around the country to answer their questions around classroom culture and just share what has worked for them so that they can build an amazing classroom culture and community in an authentic way that makes them excited to come to school even when things are difficult. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, be sure to check out our guests on the various social media that we shared and reach out to me if you have any questions. Hope you have a great week. Take care.
I have a question now for the panel and I'm going to actually open this up now. I think we're, we're in a space where we can just do this. So to the panelists, you can jump in. Um, I, I'm curious to know what is an ideal classroom culture to you? And just so everybody knows the everybody who's on the panel, um, I told them there's no right or wrong answer. I just, we just want to hear from them. So what is an ideal classroom culture to you? I'd like, I'd like to uh, just kind of encourage them to bring all their questions and that we're going to do a lot of thinking out loud and a lot of like processing and working through problems together and just kind of have that inquiry-based uh, environment where, um, you know, questions and imagination are both welcomed. Because those are like the things that, especially in the math classroom, there's a lot of hesitation to ask questions. Uh, and there's like a disregard for imagination. It's almost like we need that component in the classroom, that imagination, so that I could trigger it with some, you know, uh, with some something. Uh, and uh, so I, I like to, to just kind of have them welcome that questioning into, into the classroom. Thank you. I like that. I think um, the classroom could be like a place where you feel good about yourself, even if you fail or uh, even if you don't turn in the assignment, like you still feel good, you still learn something, you learn something through not turning in the assignment. And you, I guess, being able to reflect on that. Yeah, I, for me, um, it's, there's a specific moment I can think of. I teach on a block schedule, which means every other day. And a student is just about always late for my class, uh, first period, right? And, and I mean, always. Mm -hmm. And I started, you know, I mess with her about it. I'm like, do you just not like my class? Do you, do you hate it? And she's like, no, I always have appointments. They're always on this day or whatever. She said, but seriously, Mr. Pettit, like, this is like the only class I actually enjoy being in. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, whatever student moment, you're, you just happen to be about to turn in an assignment too. So, but everybody's like, no, seriously, Mr. Pettit, she, she talks about it all the time. It's annoying. And I'm like, oh, really? Like, what's, what's going on? And she said, my other teachers, it's just work. There's no fun. We don't get to ask questions. We don't get to do this. We don't get to do that. And here it's like, you're talking to us. You're telling us jokes, you give us time to work, you know, we're free to explore things we like to explore. It's fun. I just I enjoy it. And like, and your TikTok's awesome. <laughs> and that <laughs> and that to me is the culture I want because they're they're researching the things they want to research. They're comfortable, they're safe to work. They know I need to take a break. Okay. If if they're over there with headphones in, uh, and they're clicking away at their computer or they're writing in their notebook, I don't assume they're doing wrong. I assume they're doing the right thing. You know, and if I need to go check on them, I do. And that's the kind of class where a kid can look at me and say, Mr. Pettit, can I talk to you in the hallway uh, and tell me something horribly personal? Uh, that to me is classroom culture. That's what I want. Yeah, I was gonna... oh. No, no, no. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Um, so my background is mainly, again, middle school and high school mathematics. Um, and so I think about, about it as like 
the room really runs itself. Um, it's like its own little town and community and everybody comes in and like they banter with one another. They know what they're doing. They take care of business. Um, I'm really there as a facilitator. Um, my big mantra is like, there's more than one teacher in the room. We are all teachers. This is, you know, this is not my classroom or your classroom. This is our classroom. Um, and I think for me, I see those moments. Um, one anecdote I will never forget. So I was out sick at one point, I think it was two years ago um, when we had first come back from COVID. And um, I think I came back and it took about two hours into the day for me to figure out that my first period class had no teacher in the room. Um, all their work had been turned in, everything was good to go. But like one of the teachers came up, I think it was my co-teacher came up frantically. He was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is what happened. And I was like, what? I didn't notice no one's like the kids didn't say anything to me. So I asked him the next day, like, guys, is this what really happened? They're like, yeah, but the stuff was on canvas and the door was unlocked. Like we knew what to do. Like it was posted. You responded to our emails and stuff. So it was all good. Um, we eventually called the office just because we thought they might be upset. There wasn't any teacher in the room, but like, and they're just looking at each other. Like I was good. Did you think something was wrong? No, I was good. Like the kid came in late we told him what to do and we knew what to do like that's like that's the classroom culture like they don't even need me to lead it like they lead it themselves um and I think I think that's that's what you want at any level is where they feel like they own the room it's their room you're just there to help them thank you Vanessa how about for you yeah, I was just, I was laughing because there was a moment that happened this year. French is not always people's favorite class. They find it difficult. Um, and I always tell students like, this doesn't have to be your jam. Like French has like overtaken my life. And I said, so that's okay, but we're here for a certain amount of time. And, you know, let's, let's grow and learn things together. And I had this, I had this student come up to me uh, one time this year and he was like totally stone cold faced, serious. Mrs. Drew, I hate French. And I was like, Okay, and there was that beautiful pregnant pause where I'm in my head going, so how do I encourage this kid? But he beat me to it and he said, but I love coming to this class. And I actually did a TikTok on it and the kids all saw it and they all knew who I was talking about. And there's been a couple other TikToks where I've said things about students coming in and just how, how encouraging they have been to me because they've been demonstrating that this is a safe place for them. This is a place where they can come and talk to me, or sometimes they just need to come in and have some quiet time, uh, you know, like during class, outside of class, whatever it is. And so just when students know that um, we are excited about what we teach, but we also are excited about teaching them. We're also excited about learning with them. And, you know, in a few days later, he came up to me and told me that during French class, I shouldn't have been offended because he was calculating how long it would take for an object to circulate the sun and then come by the moon. And, and I totally don't even know what he was talking about, but I just cool that they want to share these things. Right. And I wasn't offended that he was doing that during my French class. So, <laughs> um, I do. So I have a question I want to move to and talk about like, so how, right? Like how does this magic happen and come to be? But I, I actually, I had a thought as we were talking about this. Um, I've heard a lot of like some common, a common theme is like, I close my door, right? Or I do what I know I need to do. Or I, yes, I teach content, but I teach kids <laughs> and I teach students. And I, and there's a, there's a personal aspect to it. And there, you know, I, I joke around or we have 
they can share, we can express, I can laugh, like we can, I can be a human, right, in the class. And I, I would say that there are, it, it takes, I mean, I'm, there's no like actual, re, like correct way to say this, but it takes a certain level of confidence, I think, to be at that place. So whether it's confidence in yourself, right, as a teacher in front of kids uh, or with kids, or it's confidence in the fact that you're not going to lose your job, um, or it's confidence in that, like, well, I know I'm not going to lose my job, but I might have somebody say something to me, but I really don't care what they say. Like, how do you, there's like a disposition there, right, that I, I'm finding kind of in common. I have two questions, and this is for, you know, everybody on the panel can answer, but I'm not, anybody can jump in. One question is, has it always been that way for you? Or have you had moments where it was harder for that um, that person to be present or to come out? And how did you overcome that? Or what did you do? Or, you know, how did you, how did you, yeah, I, I'll leave it at that. You have to break. You have to be willing to break. I was not that teacher. I was the teacher that was trying to be in control of everything. And when I was trying to be in control of everything, I was never in control of a thing at all. And eventually I broke and everything fell apart. Everything I've worked so hard to put into place was just a total disaster. And I stood there in front of my class. How do you guys not know this yet? And I just got totally angry. And I started writing stuff on the board and I said, okay, fine. Here's how it works. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm going and I'm going and I'm going. And I turn around and they're looking at me and they're going, oh, they're, are you kidding me? Now you get it? 18 lessons, assignments, plans. I'm crying at night. I got a therapist over this. And finally you get it when I get upset and just rattle some stuff off. And they're like, why didn't you just say that the first time? And I'm like, ah! <laughs> you have to break. And once you break and you realize that your perfect laid plans, culture eats strategy for lunch, according to Peter Drucker, right? Unless you are willing to just embrace the chaos, you're never going to be able to control the chaos. And so an administrator comes into my room and they think, oh my gosh, what is this? You know, it's like a Pentecostal church in there. People are running around. People are speaking different languages. It's nuts. And here's me in the corner talking to this kid with a headphones in, laughing, joking. And then somebody's telling me all about their boyfriend breaking up with them. No. And what'd you say? No. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Make sure you use complete sentences. No. Yeah. Bathroom. Go ahead. Whatever. And this is what's happening. You're going, Mr. Pettit is totally not in control of this. And I say, class, total silence. Because I'm willing to embrace the chaos. Thank you. Anybody want to build on that or offer? I would build yeah. on that. Oh yeah, what's up to? Oh well, I, I'll just share that breaking moment for me. Like early, early in in the teaching career, I was like all about standards and hitting the standards and like all of this curriculum work to try and make sure that I meet like the 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 expectations and get these kids test ready and all this stuff. Um, and then I had a, a an incident, maybe my third year in where I made an assignment and the student had to do a, do a problem out and then kind of just explain how they know that the solution they arrived at works. Um, and so I'm giving students time and, and I'm kind of cycling the room, checking in with kids. And, and there was this one student that 
couldn't um that I'm that I found out through the experience um was struggling with dyslexia and couldn't explain it in writing I couldn't actually put out the whole idea that she wanted to speak on in writing and I had to uh I had to like think at that moment of how I could get them to uh get her to uh to find a way to show me her understanding that didn't involve any kind of writing. Um, and, and that was the moment where I had to, like I looked around and it dawned on me, who else is not there? You know, like which one of these other kids are afraid to ask me because they're hitting this wall and, and there might be 12 different types of walls that these kids are hitting. And, and so like it, it allowed me to, to kind of break and, and instead of like having a uniform approach, every kid has to be doing this, I kind of just let it happen organically. And I found where I can be of support in certain parts in the classroom um, with individual students rather than the collective view. Uh, and that breaking point uh, uh, changed everything for me because it allowed me to have better relationships on that one-on-one -on -one level. And then even my planning, I was able to plan better because I didn't have to over plan because I had moments where I knew I had to anticipate that I would need to fill in gaps here and there. So just embracing that chaos and being able to use your training or like your understanding and your experience to adapt. Thanks, Manny. Andre, I know you were going to say something. I think. Yeah, I, I was going to say, and I think it loops in with what uh, Chad and Manny both talked about, which is it comes back to the kids, right? So in both those stories, their students in some way or form told them, right? Um, so I think like, one, don't take yourself too seriously. Like you're gonna mess up. It's gonna be a shit show <laughs> with your best lesson plan. And probably when you're being observed, it's, it's <laughs> Murphy's, Murphy's law. That's just what happens. And you probably spilled your coffee on yourself that morning too. Like it's just the way it goes as teachers. Um, but just remember like get feedback from your kids, however they like to tell you things. You know what I mean? Like talk to your students. They will tell you. They will tell you when you did the thing that you thought was amazing. And they're like, nah, bro, please don't ever do that again, Blair. <laughs> and they'll also tell you the moment when you walk out and you're going to your car and you're like, oh my God, today was horrible. Like, nah. And then they catch you in the hallway or you see them teaching something to someone else and you're like, oh, you were actually listening? Like that weird analogy that I made or song or dance I did like work for you, cool. Um, the second thing I would say is don't be afraid to walk in and see other colleagues teach, right? Like we, like teachers are the best thieves. Like what? <laughs> teachers pay teachers. We finally started asking each other to pay for each other's stuff, right? Um, no, we don't. One person pays for it and then we photocopy it, but I think we all know that. Um, <laughs> see, Chad, yep, Chad, yep, Chad's with me. Um, but I think like go in other people's classrooms, especially when you hit that burnout, sometimes you'll just see somebody else do something or it'll just make you laugh or you'll go, oh, I really like that. Um, and sometimes they're teaching your same cohort of kids. And so you see something that works, just never be afraid to, to be a learner. And again, whether it's from your kids or your colleagues. Um, and I think that's, I think that's the fun part is just knowing like, Haha, this is going to be a shit show, but I'm going to learn along the way from my kids and my colleagues. I love that. 
Vanessa or Jessica, anything that you want to add on there? I just love this theme of like, as teachers, we are continuing to learn and to improve our practice. And when the students, like I oftentimes say to the students, hey, I was reading this article and I came and I heard this idea and I thought we could try that today. So let's, let's just see how this goes. Um, and when they come alongside you and they know that you're learning as a teacher and you're figuring out new ways of doing things, like I, and, and especially if they're the ones that are helping you do that, they jump on board and, and it's really cool. And sometimes it's, it's awesome when you're like, so how did that go guys? And they're like, yeah, we're never doing that one again. And then other times where I'm like, yeah, like they, they say, this is a good one. So yeah, I really love that theme that's coming out. I don't really know how to answer this question because I don't feel like an expert at this. Like, when did it just click for me? Cause I still work on it like every year, even period to period or day to day, I'm just worried that they're going to know that I'm a fraud and like that I don't have control of this class. And they're going to, I even have dreams about this, like that my kids are just out of control and they just riot. And I don't know what else happens. Just, I get a lot of anxiety in my dream, but um, I just try my best and, you know, no, don't be afraid to ask them. Like it's been said to see other teachers and just be open and um, be vulnerable with the kids. I tell them like, listen, that did not go well yesterday. What you cannot do that again. What is going to help us be better? Um, or sometimes I'll go, listen, when you get up and walk across the room while I'm instructing, that gives me anxiety and it's disrespectful. And like they, it's like they didn't even realize like what they were doing was disrespectful. Like they didn't mean it to be, but they did, you know, they just 12 year olds just aren't aware. So I don't know, just calling things out has been um, helpful this year and yeah, not being afraid to be vulnerable and just telling them like that didn't work, what needs to happen? Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm here seeing too, like asking students what they do in other classes that they'd like to try and do in your class. I think, you know, Jessica, you said like your answer is like, it's perfect because you're like, I, I don't have, I, I don't have it all figured out. And I think everybody in here would probably say like, I mean, they don't either. Right. There are, we're still trying to figure things out. I, I went from teacher to, you know, principal and coach for eight years back into the classroom. And I was figuring things out still after B and I've observed millions of classes and like, I've stolen every idea, anything I do that's, that's good. I took from somebody else um, or saw, saw somebody else do. Um, and we're always like trying to like improve or, 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 or better something, but being, being aware of that and being open to it, I think is what everybody's saying here. Like we're continuous learners. Um, and, uh, and yeah, Chad, thank you for replying to um, Eliza's comment that like, when when we're vulnerable or we are willing to be ourselves kids feel helps them feel seen um and uh and they do like i always say kids know within 30s that's the first thing they want to know can i trust this person right and they will know within 30 seconds if you are being real and authentic or if you're not like it's the first thing they care about and they just have this even if they don't know they're doing it they know that's the first thing they're trying to figure out. Um, and so we might as well just be ourselves, right? Right, off the, right away and then figure out how that, um, what we need to tweak 
in the meantime, like if something's not going, going right. But the th another theme I'm hearing is it's okay to make a mistake or it's okay to have one of those days that just doesn't go right. Um, and it's okay if it's during the observation, uh, but it's okay if it's, um, it's okay, right? And so I if, I think, you know, you can nod on the panel or bring that to, um, if maybe what I'm hearing is that part of blocking out the noise um, and, and in order to have this, you know, like a great year with your students is actually being okay with or not caring as much how you're seen by other people. Would that be, yeah. Um, which can be hard to do because you're kind of seen by other people all the time, right? Like, and you might be, whether it's from by somebody who's coming in to evaluate you, like, yeah, I mean, that's that process is just that process. Um, but also like, I don't know, it, depending on where you are, we talk a lot of our own individual context, like everybody teaches in a different school, right? On this, on this call. And you might have incredible leadership. You might have fine leadership. You might have no leadership. You might have leadership that makes you feel psychologically unsafe, like seriously, or you might be dealing with issues of feeling, you know, physically safe or unsafe. And so there, there are different stakes for everybody. Um, and so the not caring what people think is a lot more than just being like, oh, be you, right? No, but really like there are stakes involved sometimes. And so, but I think I'm hearing from everybody that you had to get yourself to a place where you really were just like, no, it's cool. It's about me and, and you guys in here. And so whatever's happening is happening, no matter if it's a score on my evaluation, a teacher who walks by and makes a face or a comment or something I hear from another student, um, I, I'm confident in, in what I'm doing with you. That's what I'm hearing, at least. I, Jessica, yes, letting go of your ego. Daria's agreeing. Jessica said, you know, you, you think being vulnerable helps them feel safe to share and be themselves. Eliza, they feel the energy. So if it is identified in an appropriate manner, you, um, I see they actually care and buy into trying a new way to make it better. Yeah. Um, so along this line, then my next question, and it's kind of our final question, um, is how, like, how have you, how have you done this? And and some of you might have, can I can pinpoint exactly how you did it? And we've touched on, like Chad, you touched on the point where you like kind of broke and you were like, oh, I'm going to do this. But like, how have you got, how have you either gotten yourself to the point or gotten students to the point where you know, you're in, you're in your classroom and you are here sitting with us today saying my, my classroom culture, I feel comfortable and, and good with it. And my students and my classroom are what help me stay in the game, despite all the really difficult things. How have you, how have you created this? What do you do intentionally? Like at the start of the year? What do you do intentionally as things come up or maybe at another point in the year? What's intentional, like when you step into that classroom um, or as you're preparing the year? What do you do intentionally to do this? The first thing I thought of was just take care of myself, <laughs> like making sure I'm eating healthy and working out and just being like the best self that I could be so that I show up for them to be their best selves. And then also like um, 
collaborating with the class on the class culture and expectations. You talk more about that, Jessica. You want me to talk more about that? Yeah, like how did you like because I I saw your expectations this year and I was I was blown away, right? At how concise and how clear they were. And when you told me that you did that with the with your students and you teach seventh grade, I know I mean I've I've been in middle school and seventh graders are, you know, they, they can be they're everywhere. Um, and you came up with like just this really concise, clear uh list of like expectations. What did that look like for you? Well, I asked them, I mean, I don't remember the exact questions, yeah, but kind of like, um, what would their perfect ideal class be? Like, what would it feel like, smell like? Like all the questions you kind of asked us, like to envision how are the students acting? How's the teacher acting? How do the students act towards each other? How does the teacher act towards the students and the students act towards the teacher? And I, they just came up with, a list of words and adjectives. And I kind of put, I summarized like what we came up with, the class came up with into um, statements and I put them on an anchor chart. And then what's supposed to happen is when I notice a student not, you know, doing or behaving the way that we kind of like all agree is our best way to be a student, you're supposed to like, pointed out like didn't we agree that this was a good way to act in class and that you're not doing that but in the moment that's really hard for me to remember to do because um I don't know maybe my adrenaline response or I don't know what it is but um I think maybe it's actually better when after like the both parties have the adrenaline response and then after the fact like come back to the expectations when you're in your upstairs brain and you can think about, you know, what happened and reflect on it, um, it is better to like come back as a class. Was that, you know, what we said we wanted? No, it wasn't like what needs to happen and reflect on that. So I referenced those throughout the year. I just wish that I was better at it, but I'm learning. <laughs> I wish it went smoothly. Like I could just like, oh, that's not what number two says. Like automatically respond but it's difficult yeah well that's that's real right like I that's real that's a that's a real answer it's not always it's hard it's not it's hard right like we're not I don't think anybody would say teaching is easy as far as like we get it right all the time or every single aspect of it is natural or easy um but it's worth it and I think we're all here because we our hearts are there um and the thing that's bringing us there is the kids um so and also like having those expectations and just having that agreement, that collective agreement does go a long way. Um, all right, who wants to take us on next? I think this speaks to this. I When I welcome the kids, the students into the, into the classroom, I also teach high school, so I see four blocks of kids, uh, students a day. And um, uh, I like to talk to them about respect and humility. Um, and high schoolers can have some widely varying ideas on things, uh, everything from vaccinations to masks to all kinds of stuff over the last last little while. And and just to 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 establish within the classes that you know, we all have um, to we, we should all be respecting one another's opinions, even if we're different. That seems to be kind of a tipping point for for students. 
uh, around that age group of recognizing that we can disagree with one another, but we can still be respectful towards one another. And I also like to encourage them to, to show humility in class. So when they've done things that perhaps have offended somebody to, to have the humility to go and, and talk to a student. It was interesting. I was having a very casual conversation with a group of students uh, last year and one student looked at me and she goes, yeah, like that time that you thought you offended that other student in class last year and you apologized in front of the entire student, like in front of all the students. And I was like, I had forgotten that that had happened, but I just walked away going, oh my goodness. She remembered that one moment where I actually was just trying to be like, you know, my best me and, and to build community in my classroom. And that's what that student remembered. And that's why I want to be modeling the things that I would like them to be doing. So if you need to get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of class, go ahead. There's a respectful way to do that. If you're coming to class late, that's okay. You got things you got to do. Come to class respectfully and, and, and that sort of stuff. So. Thank you. And I see um, Eliza, this is cool. You said you create class agreements that the students create um too and it's powerful especially when you revisit the agreements and that you you two are like wanting to continue to get better at using it as an ongoing tool which is like that's where we get lost in the year right and it'd be hard to do that um and uh you know Vanessa you touched on something that um so the other day I asked the group to kind of coach me like if my if I wanted something specific to happen in my classroom um what would I need to do and they were saying the group was saying to me like model right so model it model it model it and modeling might not make might take place in so many different at different points in our class, not necessarily when we're going over the expectations, but we're living them right we're walking the walking the walk. Um, and. Uh, or a sort of practice training that included how to create using classroom agreements that's that's great like when there's support for how to do this and then there I know there are also a lot of teachers who may not always have. Um, a district either they're not doing it at all or they're hiring a, a company that just misses the mark completely and you're like that was entirely not helpful um but thank you so um but no that that's great that you that you have that resource for how to create and use classroom agreements um all right who else we have uh who else wants to jump in and share what do you do intentionally to make sure you have this kind of environment so one thing i do um i want my students to focus on my feedback separate from a grade. What I'm telling you as far as feedback is never associated with the grade book. So I established this, that's something intentional. I'm, I'm giving an example of how I do this. So the first unit, everyone has an automatic 100 if they do everything I'm asking them to do. So participate in class, classroom discussions, turn in your work and there's no homework. You do everything in class. Um, you're here, you do all things I ask you to do. Uh, you at least make an attempt and you might be shy, but you at least make an attempt to have a discussion when we're doing class discussions, things like this, and you have an automatic 100. Now, all the pressure's off. I don't have to worry about grading your papers because that's too much work for me at the beginning. You don't have to worry about grades. No one's going to get in trouble. How do we all feel? <gasps> Amazing. Has anybody ever done this for you? No. All right. So we got that out the way. So you can see I'm not about grades, right? Okay, cool. So that's one thing. We got that out the way. Now you're not thinking about grades. So here is why I want you to discuss. Here's why I want you to read and write together. And, and that's to be really important. Explain the why behind everything. I'm telling you, you've got an automatic 100 because I want you focused on those, the work and the learning. And I want you to understand that I really do care more about the learning than the grades. 
Okay. Now they understand about that. Now I can support it with something else. We're going to read these sorts of things because they help you. So for example, we're going to read more nonfiction than fiction because it helps us analyze better when we don't have to worry about abstract thought. We're trying to analyze the literature. So that's why I'm focusing on it. So really communicate the why to them so they understand the purpose of the task. And then there's more buy-in. Yeah, I um, you know, just to just to kind of stamp that Vanessa said she's taking that with her to her class. Um, but we talked on the first, well, we've talked throughout the the three um the three days about students taking pride in their work, and that's uh, a high priority. Um, uh, I can't think right now. At least it's a high priority for some of the folks in this group who are putting setting their vision for their um like classroom vibe or culture next year. And so what Chad's explaining is literally that it's students taking pride in their work, um, and students knowing why learning is important and what learning is important. That's what Chad's describing right now. Like getting like in and as a teacher, how you communicate that might look or sound different. Um, but but you'll know and students know it's why it's important to learn it and that it is important to learn it because they will put forth that effort even when a grade isn't attached to it. And that's that, again, that uh, like that in, intrinsic motivation to 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 learn and do well, um, but they have to know how to, right? Um, and that's where that feedback comes into play too. So like, yes, I mean, grades, grades are important, right? We can all have a discussion about grades, but like, Kids need to know how they're doing, right? They need the feedback. They need to know where they're trying to go. We need to have a roadmap. But what when Chad's saying, like, hey, this is why this is all important, that's what's getting at students um taking that pride in their work and knowing, like, okay, this is why, this is how I need to get there. I tried. Mr. Pettit told me I need to do, I, you know, I need to do this, this, and this better. I'm gonna try again. When you get students there that's 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 teaching and learning right there that's 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 education um Eliza said I love that I would imagine it helps the students realize there are more than a grade two yes <laughs> yeah Eliza like my heart's so happy right now um and I always say like you know if, well students are more than a number they're more than a test score right and and us teachers are more than your evaluation score <laughs> i say that all the time too but like we're all more than our than numbers right um yeah i love that all right anybody who else would like to jump in um and share like what do you do intentionally manny and and andrea to cultivate the the culture in your class i like to um just establish uh like a safety net i would imagine it to be like but it's just supports and and access uh to myself but even to uh you know conversations or, or things that we've had in class that uh they might need to revisit i teach in a school that's a, a virtually it's like a blended virtual learning situation where um we have like class but it's more of a workshop for a, a virtual curriculum um and so i've i've my teaching role has become more of a coach rather than uh, a teacher that instructs and, and has, you know, like the lesson and everything, the traditional way. There are moments where I find myself on the board and it's more like coaching, almost like basketball or any other sport. Like I like to teach students how to be aware of, 
of, of the algebra tools that they've acquired and how these little bits that they learned along the way, like the distributive property, like multiplying integers, right? There's all of these little tools that they acquire. Um, and a lot of them just don't really know how to apply. Um, and so I like to, to support them as they explore the algebra manipulation. Um, and I do so by, um, we do like these digital notes that uh, exist long after the class is done. Um, and I tend to record anything like, like uh, usually we'll have class in person, but I might have like uh, the, the Google Classroom also going so that we can record that particular lesson. And then they'll have notes paired to the lesson that are also aligned with their digital curriculum. And it's really just to give students access to as much content and knowledge uh, resources that they might need, uh, and also give them a, a chance to demonstrate their understanding however they might like. Some kids prefer doing math on paper. I, I always kind of push towards it, um, but but I allow kids to also use um, uh, digital devices and uh, other means to be able to demonstrate that understanding. Um, and, and I play that coaching safety net where, you know, if there are pitfalls or, or mistakes, um, my, my approach is not really a mistake. I don't, I don't call them that. Um, I just, they're like teachable moments. And so I just, I, I find the moments, right? I let kids explore the math and, and I find the moments where I can, uh, you know, shed light on a, on a property that can help you work through this problem or, or, uh, you know, let's watch this video that explains why we're even finding X. Like, what does this all mean? Um, just attaching some meaning um, and attaching that support factor helps build trust in the classroom. And it helps a kid have courage, especially within math. It, it's the fear of being wrong that may, causes a lot of hesitation. Uh, and so we, we embrace the mistakes as a way to kind of uh, sift through and find out where where each individual kid might be struggling. That support piece I found has helped me uh, build trust and a bridge with each student. Thank you. Um, I think for me, it's a couple of things. Um, and Michaela will be able to attest to this. I am like your organized structural binders for everything <laughs> like type A personality. Um, and so one of the things that's worked for me is I try to really take time to be intentional about the routines and procedures in my room. So like thinking about like how many kids are in the room, like what makes the most sense, what's gonna be efficient and logistically like how we come in and out, how you get the things that you need, um, how you get to go to the bathroom, all, like all the like, I would say the more operational things and try to lay that out and make it as cool as, as crystal clear as possible and consistent as possible. Um, as well as like, hey, these are the non-negotiables that like just aren't up for discussion, right? Because once that's clear and consistent and we are reinforcing those over the first few weeks, months, who knows the entire school year sometimes, um, then, then it allows the space to actually do the things that create the culture, right? Like if we're not dealing with the, the minutia of I need a pencil or 
I'm going to walk across the room to get paper and smack two people on the back of the head while I get the piece of paper. Like we've got that stuff out of the way. Um, then we can work on building the culture. Two, I think relating it back to real life. So again, working with students that are a little bit older, um, it goes to Chad's like, why, right? Like I always say it's more than just math. Um, I'm trying to prepare you to be thinkers, movers, shakers, and responsible adults. Um, and hopefully maybe struggle a little less than I did. Like if there's a lesson that I learned, I was like, oh, that sucked. And I can tell you, so you don't go through the same thing. Like just that human to human piece, I think is just super huge. Um, and then three, I'm really intentional about like figuring out what their thing is that they're into and trying to show up in those spaces. Maybe they're in the community theater. Maybe they're on a sports team. Maybe they pick up their sibling from school. Maybe they work at the McDonald's that I always order the same thing from. Um, but figuring out what those things are that are relatable or that I can make a connection and be kind of where they are um, outside of the content, right? Again, it's more than just math um, and just showing that, that, that I'm a human being. Um, and I think I try to focus on that probably even more so than my lesson plans the first couple of weeks. Um, because if that culture is not there, we are never going to get to Pythagorean theorem, quadratics, calculus, like we need to be able to coexist and know what we need from each other as humans. Um, I'm also a, co a collaborative rules person. I call them the house rules. Mm. The, it, we spend a whole day usually on it where they, um, go from, and, and it's purposeful, right? Cause they're coming up with these house rules that we post in the classroom but even how we do it is intentional to individual, to partner, to now you're going to work in a group and come up with limit it to five to now you're going to present to the class what your group came up with. And as a class kind of debate, like, okay, we've got 15. Blair says we can only have seven. What, what, what are we saying are going to be our seven? And I kind of take myself out of it and let them kind of do their thing. Um, but just just really um, honoring their voice, making the things that are going to be the day-to-day -day things very clear, precise, so that you can spend the time on the culture piece, right? Knowing what to, when, when and how to sharpen your pencil, blah, right? Having a conversation and how to, how to maneuver Black Lives Matter in the middle of a circles unit, not so easy, right? So just try to streamline the things that you can streamline. Thank you. Um, I mean, powerful. Uh, all of every single response. Um, I want to give folks a chance to ask questions if there are any. Um, we've covered a lot, a lot, a lot, and we could probably. I mean, we could do this. We could do this every day. <laughs> this could be PD, right, for like the school year. Um, learning from each other. But I do want to open it up if there are anybody who wants to unmute themselves or if you want to type anything in the chat as far as like questions for a specific person on the panel or in general. Um, I'm definitely going to open it up for that. I'm going to give a, like a minute in case somebody is typing in the chat. Eliza said, no questions that come to mind. Just a big thank you to you all. I mean, yeah, a, a giant thank you um, 
to all five of you for you know spending your your night with us. Um, again, we learn best from each other, and everybody here has a very unique um, style. Daria said more relevant would be down for that over in service PD. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you're all real. You're all really good at what you do. And you all um, are the confidence, I think, that you exude as you go about doing it, even in the confidence to say, like, I don't have it all figured out yet, is really powerful, I think, for other teachers to see. Because um, you can just be you. And, you. and again, that theme of you are enough. You're showing up for your students. That's what they need. Um, and I think blocking out any anybody who tells you that you're not enough, you block it out. Um, oh, are you on TikTok, Andrea? All right, Chad. Um, tell Andrea what your uh, what your TikTok handle is. There we go. <laughs> um, can we have can we have What do you mean, Daria? Can you have handles? Oh, you want their TikTok handles? Yes, I'm I'm that teacher guy, and thank you so much. I appreciate that. And um, yeah, uh, we have we have fun. <laughs> we don't hold back on on my TikTok. For true, for true, for for uh, definitely for sure. Yeah, I would I would like to say, Chad, um, you had asked that question in one of your TikToks about does anybody else just leave the fly where it dies, like when you smack it, and then. I showed you the, the white outline of the bee that had been killed in my class from a couple of years ago. And when you liked it, it, I made that a highlight in my class. I was like, oh my gosh, this TikTok guy, I follow him and he liked my post. And then they all went to the back of the class and had a look at where the white, white, white outline was. So thank you very much. <laughs> um, Manny, do you, are you on TikTok for us to follow? I am, but it's not really education. <laughs> I know, but listen, Manny, I, I'm gonna, I'm blown and blow him up right now. Manny's a musician, like wildly amazing musician, like incredible. I have his songs on, like I literally, like when Manny's like, I'm dropping a new song, I'm like, okay, I'm on Apple Music, um, and so I mean, the, the people want to know Manny. Where can they find you to follow you for your music? It doesn't have to be TikTok. We are a pretty TikTok heavy community though of educators here. All right. <laughs> Is that a TikTok? I am NEX? Yeah, that's like most of most of the social medias are all around that one. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. People love. <laughs> no, he really is amazing though. Um, and then anybody who's here, I saw Ashley, you put yours in the scholarly warrior. Um, Eliza put hers in Adventures with Eliza. Uh, I know that Daria, you if you don't have to share yours if you don't want. I know for social media, the school you teach, like that's the thing too, right? With teachers, like everybody's careful. Um, I just don't care anymore. Um, but don't be like me. Um, just I mean, just don't be like me. I just I, I don't do anything too crazy, but I also like I, I live fearlessly now. Um, but if anybody else wants to share their TikTok uh handles. Oh, you have TikTok and you made no videos. Listen, I, the the real the real deal though is that I have I've talked to a lot of teachers this year and um you know either asking them on the podcast or share and a lot of people are nervous to do that and it makes me sad. Um, there was somebody in Rhode Island actually today who wanted to. Uh, they were like, "Do you have a lot of Rhode Island teachers that are going to be on your panel that are going to be there tonight?" And I was like, "No." To be completely honest with you, a lot of teachers who are in Rhode Island, like who are, who know who could be identified by talking to me. 
they are afraid to be out there. And like, that's the sad reality um, that I, you know, I, I thank you for, for being brave and being out there. Not that we're doing anything crazy, but we're living in crazy times. Um, and so, yes, please connect on TikTok. Uh, you all are amazing. I'm going to wrap up with the group to our panelists. Just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Daria gets worried about the, the district trolls. Listen, Chad, uh, listen, just go follow each other on TikTok. Okay. We can, we can take this discussion there because uh, we could go all night, but thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Much love. <laughs> um, and to our group, you're welcome to stay if you'd like. Um, and then to our group, we still have Eliza and Ashley, Daria, Rachel, Daniela. Thanks, Manny, um, Caitlin. I am going to be sharing. So we have the replay for tonight will be up um, in the Facebook group and also through email. So I'll be sending that around. Um, and then there are resources that I've mentioned um, throughout tonight that I'm also going to be posting on the Facebook group. And that group is open today. Oh, I forgot to say, wait a second. Oh my gosh, I lost um, Vanessa and it is her birthday and she's not here now. Oh, I was making TikTok about that. Um, so I will be uh, just wrapping us up um, in the Facebook group and then uh, online. So over the course of the weekend, I'm going to share with you uh, just some reflections from the past week we spent together, resources that you know we didn't get to share while we were together um, on Zoom, and also ways that we can continue to work together uh, throughout the year because supporting you all and doing amazing things like this is really important to me. Um, and so just be, you know, be mindful of that. Um, Daniela, oh, thank you, Daniela. I was really, really, really happy um, to spend time with you over the past week. And thank you for being here for each other uh, and with me. And then Eliza and she's, um, Ashley's not on anymore, but congratulations on your uh, your victory and the prize. We'll connect on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody have an, an incredible um, night. And then I will be, oh, does Dr. Blair have a TikTok? That's, oh, she shared it. Hold on. She did. She put it up there. I think she is. I thought she put it up there somewhere. Let me just check real quickly. I thought she said she was like A.E. Blair learning. Um, I will, Daria, I'm gonna, I will find out for you, okay? Um, I'll just send her a message and ask her what her TikTok was. So I think she, I think she either said it or it's somewhere. So I'll share that with you. All right, everybody have a great night. We'll be in touch over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Bye.